Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune in to the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and nerds all at once. When the mask's not adding up, you better check it out. I'm working to the ground. Welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard, at PA Howdy on Twitter. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. Um, yeah, once again, we're live to YouTube and also on the Dynasty Crossroads feeds. As you notice, I'm pushing the uh, release date back a little bit, trying to get us ready for the uh, first week of the NFL season. We're going to start recording midweek after I see games, or not see, so much as process the stats from... Um, so I can actually talk about what happened and release it towards the end of the weekend, Sunday, Monday, is the plan. So it should be fun. Um, this week, I know, uh, what I've been thinking about a lot uh, while making trying to make more immediate, especially from a dynasty lens, has been an interesting um, off-season where I try to angle much more of my content towards this coming season, but through a dynasty perspective rather than the, doing the holistic uh, attempt at evergreen um, articles and, and research um, and uh, it got me to thinking about the difference between ADP and your leagues or my leagues for that matter now I don't have a home league because of the way I entered fantasy football and the way it's grown I mostly play with people that also podcast I don't know if that's the way I'd measure not being a home league but I don't seem to be swanning around yeah let's go with that uh the same crowd that are consuming or most content is created for um one incident or one incident that makes it sound like a serious thing one thing that happened today was someone was posting that Najee harris should be going in the first round but based on all the deep adp that i collect that i take seriously at uh, that sharp adp that we i've said time and time again can give you a pretty good edge or pretty good inclination with just a few adjustments um here or there based on what you believe or what my uh, personally what my process is um it comes from ff calculator which is essentially scraped uh from mfl or my fantasy league and i get dlf adp which is based off six drafts every month from people who are in the DLF community or at least paying attention to their Twitter feed with Ryan McDowell, Superflex is ran by someone else. Najee Harris is already a first-round pick, and yet lots of people want to push out the idea he should be a first-round pick. Now, I I get why, because he's listed below the fold um, on ESPN, or he's listed below the fold on Sleeper, where the most fantasy players actually spend the most of their time. Uh, and they're not reading our tweets guys uh, and they're also not consuming our content if Najee Harris being a first round pick sounds hot to you that's that's because you're probably uh, in a different kind of bubble than most of the people I interact with or most people I assume that we're talking to but the major vast majority of fantasy players 
don't live in my bubble, obviously. Um, wait, I should really pay attention to that. Uh, that, that. And that's just one thing that happened. Like, I don't disagree that Najee Harris should be a first-round pick or that he goes in the second or third rounds in a lot of places. But, like, how, how do you adjust for that when ADP or where ranks are um, don't reflect what most people playing fantasy football are going to experience. Like, you don't draft Najee Harris in the first round if you don't have to. I mean, you should if you're in a sharp league, you're going to have to. Dynasty or not, um, based on both sources of ADP in my experience. But if you don't have to, that's a terrible way to draft. Following ADP is bad. This connects up with something uh, Matt Spencer's been talking about on his Twitter feed and for Rotoviz and in one of our group DMs where if you're helping someone or playing in a league on ESPN or in a specific site that has its own rankings or has its own ADP outside of this little bubble we live in, then you draft the best team by adjusting to the site rankings, essentially adjusting the site rankings by ADP. And just following ADP would actually be a losing enterprise. And Scott Fishball, for example, followed ADP so well that very few little value on average actually dropped because most of us in that community know what the ADP is. We know where each other are drafting players. So that brings me to the content for this week. Now, obviously, there's a news item (coughs) that uh, dropped yesterday uh, and most people are finding out today. uh, Today's Wednesday, the 25th of August, that I'm going to address first, and that's the uh, season-ending Liz Frank surgery by uh by on uh Travis Etienne he's gone for the season we're back to James Robinson season which is terrible and wonderful at the same time um and then I want to talk about two lists of players one that I already did a YouTube video on which is running backs I think might break out this year top five which actually had like nine names on it I got called out for uh, and then wide receiver targets so with specifically that in mind um, that I, I'm trying to highlight slightly off-center um, players that might not be focused by most of your league mates, but that's assuming you're playing in a relatively sharp league. Like, if you need me to tell you you should be okay drafting DJ Moore or Chris Godwin or that Calvin Ridley is a good pick, it's not that list, right? Or that Marcus Callaway, for that matter, just went off in a preseason game and he has one of the best profiles drafted or undrafted actually last year and I mentioned him back when but it's too late to uh try and try and claim that victory lap after after yesterday's preseason game so where was I uh yeah Travis Etienne um where am I at well James Robinson's now projected to be a top 12 running back I don't expect him to get the full percentage share of the offense that he did last year but I do expect him to be the main running back and there's more certainty that we can have with about what he will do with that role than we could have with Travis Etienne with James Robinson behind him on the depth chart. There's a little more uncertainty. And so for that, for me, meant that James Robinson went back into the top 12, even though Travis Etienne wasn't in the top 12 when they were both on the team. In terms of dynasty value, unless Travis Etienne falls drastically below where James Robinson was, which was in the eighth round last time I checked ADP in sharp leagues, um, then I, I'm, I'm kind of done. Like, I, I need a steep discount. I don't know too much about the Liz Frank surgery, but I know it's a serious injury. 
And James Robinson without Travis Etienne is not the same proposition as Travis Etienne with James Robinson. There's less certainty about what's going to happen this year in that backfield with both of them healthy versus only one of them being healthy. Um, Daryl Henderson has risen up uh, to where tra- around Travis Etienne is right now uh, in ADP with the loss of Cam Akers. Um, I don't have as much confidence that Daryl Henderson is going to carry uh, an offensive backfield the same way that I can have about James Robinson. And if James Robinson does that this year, how does he not earn new contract? If not from this team, then from another team. Um, and that means his value is more likely to increase. So, and Travis uh, ETM, one thing that I do know and I have already seen posted is that this surgery has a large um, detriment in the first year back from it, even where, if a player can recover, with, and should, I expect him to come back, but I don't expect him to be fully himself, and we've never seen what that would have been in the NFL, even though I expected it to be good. Um, and so there's just... Uh, uh, a diminishing return on the idea that I would buy Travis Etienne low. It's not the same as thinking James Robinson could be a breakout and was existing at a good value in the eighth round, which is one of the running backs I mentioned in that video last week, which now feels bad because I said, what if Travis Etienne gets injured? And now I have to feel bad about that because that's a game we play, I guess. Um, But anyway... So Travis Etienne, until his drop value drops significantly, like no longer a first-round rookie pick, I am probably not investing um, any interest in trading for him. And I doubt right now uh, you're going to get that mostly on the uh, on any trade market. And uh, James Robinson is very firmly worth a first-round rookie pick. Um, I played a holding game with James Robinson because of that upside, and so I don't. I'm not sending out a lot of offers because he's on uh, a few of my rosters where I need him or where I want him. But if you're a contender, I think he's someone worth sending an offer on. If you haven't been able to get Daryl Henderson for slightly less, I would be willing to give slightly more uh, for James Robinson. Um, so, yeah, that about covers it. I, there, there are better people to do the injury analysis, but I think that's the way it shakes out in Dynasty. We should expect James Robinson to be a top 12 running back this year, although less difference-making because we're not getting him for free or other people who got him aren't getting him uh, off the waiver wire like we did in 2020. Um, like Joe Mixon has been a top 12 running back or top 13 running back twice over the last three years and last year. He only played a partial season, and that was disappointing. I think it's worth noting that top 12 isn't always all it's cracked up to be, and there is some of that baked into that top 12 upside because we should expect less overall share of that offense with Carlos Hyde on the team and a different team entirely, new quarterback, and not being fully aware of what to expect from that offense. But I'm very excited. I think, um, like I say, I would buy James Robinson if my team is contender right now. Um, and I wouldn't be afraid of it. I think he's going to get the usage, even with Carlos Hyde in the backfield. Um, so, like I said, um, speaking of running backs, I recently put out a list and uh, a top five uh, running back breakout list uh, on YouTube. Um, so I'm doing it technically twice on YouTube, but just suck it up and deal with it, I guess. Because um, I wanted to mention them here on the Crossroads as well. Um, to run through that list quickly, I broke them down on that YouTube video a little more in depth. But um, I mentioned... Chase Edmonds and Gus Edwards uh, as good potential top 24 breakout running backs. Chase Edmonds, I'm actually defaulting a lot to Eno Benjamin 
because Chase Edmonds has already been in sharp leagues, elevated up to that seventh round ADP, which is where James Robinson and Kareem Hunt were going a lot. And that, to me, was a little hot. But if you get him below that, I think he's still a fairly good pick. But if you can't, then I think uh, Eno Benjamin going basically, even in sharp drafts, towards the very last round drafts as one of those late round running backs makes a better proposition. And because of that, despite turning up on the breakout list I was talking about here on the Crossroads last week, um, I default uh, to this fifth spot to Gus Edwards. He's a, a potential top 24 running back currently going in the top uh, in round 12. Um, even in sharp ADP, I think he's been efficient. He's been good. Um, he could be the running back who scores touchdowns in this game or that game, and that uh, elevate him into the top 24. I realize I didn't say that very eloquently, but as you can probably tell, I'm tired. Um, but I really do think there's uh, usage to go around, especially in the rushing game in Baltimore, unless the high, highest of my high dreams for Baltimore comes true this year, and they are very outlandish um, uh, almost uh, 5% out, 5% outcomes type dreams. And so we should probably expect rushing. And I think Gus Edwards is going to benefit from that more this season. Especially with J.K. Dobbins having such a high ADP when last season he did what he did on basically 5 to 6 points per game. He was vastly outscoring uh, the amount of volume he was being giving. And that's, again, because he's a superior running back to most. But... We should expect Gus Edwards to take some of that work. He's going very late in drafts. <coughs> and I think he's a very sufficient running back, at least. And so I think he's definitely worth that uh, that potential top 24 breakout. And number four on my list is Miles Gaskin. I, I, I've made a lot of Miles Gaskin content, but most people seem to be missing it. So I'm mentioning it again. Like, he could legitimately break into the top 24 fairly easily. And he has legitimate top 12 numbers. Like... Running backs we're expecting to break out into the top 12 this year had worse or relatively similar predict numbers that are predictive to Miles Gaskin last year. Um, and I see no signs, no serious or legitimate signs from the team that Miles Gaskin isn't going to get a significant work for, workload in that backfield. And I'm excited about the potential of Miami in general. And so Miles Gaskin has just been an easy. Uh, target for me this offseason and, and a potential breakout. Moving on, because I said this was going to be quick, uh, uh, Antonio Gibson and DeAndre Swift um, have the same profile as potential top 12 breakouts. They're sophomore running backs going into the, going into their second season of sophomore running backs. Like, yeah, I'm tired. Anyway, they were efficient last year and slightly different tones in that Antonio Gibson got the workload. DeAndre Swift really only got it towards the end of the season, but he did operate at a higher target share. And in fact, he had the best target share of any rookie running back last year. And so he has somewhat of a flaw. And when asked, I tempted to fault to DeAndre Swift, despite the coach chatter that has been going on around him this offseason with him not being quite... It up to game speed or up to uh, form athleticism or have a coach's talk. I don't know. Um, and mostly I ignore preseason noise like that. It is concerning. Um, but the reason I default to Swift is because I saw Gibson with the role, which definitely gives him that top 12 upside. But I haven't seen DeAndre Swift with his workload. And so there, it's almost a mystery box quality. Like DeAndre Swift has better receiving. If he got similar rushing, he would have an edge over someone like Antonio Gibson. Having said that, 
Antonio Gibson definitely makes for a good top 12 breakout running back. And what I've been saying about him this offseason is I think he's fringe. He's borderline top 12. And so I've mostly been fading the under, which, again, is why I default towards Swift. If I'm going to take a running back in the second round, which I normally don't. And number two overall was James Robinson. Skip because Travis Etienne injury now makes that kind of obsolete. And my number one breakout running back in Dynasty every year is also always rookie running backs. Najee Harris is still around, Trey Sermon, Michael Carter. Rookie running backs have the highest likelihood to break out, uh, highest likelihood and hit rate um, in any breakout category you want to mention, from top 24 to top 12, even top 5, although there is a slight edge to top uh, second year running backs in the top five category either way rookie running backs are always a good uh, source um of breakout potential and we really shouldn't let any rookie running back exist on the waiver wire except for the very deep dark undrafted free agents like javen hawkins who just got dropped by the atlanta falcons and that was sad that was sad I, i've burnt a lot of fourth round fourth round rookie picks on javen hawkins and that's just we out here, I'm afraid. So rookies are always my favorite breakout candidate um, going into any season for the running back position. All right, uh, next up, I wanted to list some wide receivers getting close to the season. And remember what I... Like, these aren't necessarily the league-breaking wide receivers. I just find them interesting. They're slightly left of the most common breakout candidates I hear, the most common value candidates I hear. And so I definitely think this is applying mostly to sharp ADP. If you are playing in a whatever constitutes a home league for you, I definitely don't think you necessarily have to reach for these players, in other words. But I do think they're really interesting players going into 2021, and I expect more than where they are currently being drafted um, from them, even in quote-unquote sharp ADP. So the first one is Will Fuller. He's currently being drafted in the ninth round, according to DLF ADP, um, as wide receiver 49. Uh, I think he has a legitimate top 12% potential. He's only missing the first game of the 2020 season. That's the end of his six-game ban because of that uh, strike for substance abuse last year, which, again, does not sound like a good write-up, but we're getting him in the ninth round. He's shown legitimate potential in this league and has, in fact, been a top 12 wide receiver when he was on the field and healthy with DeAndre Hopkins playing on the same team. And so I think he makes a really interesting uh, bet going into Miami with an uncertain rookie, a rookie I'm, I particularly happen to be a little lower on the most um, on the team as his best competition outside of Devontae Parker, who might be getting slightly undervalued. But if I'm, I don't think he has top 12 potential because we definitely haven't seen him put up the type of uh, receiving efficiency or receiving volume uh, co-option yeah let's go with that word uh, that Will Fuller has managed to do even with uh, DeAndre Hopkins on the team and so I think the upside really lives with Fuller and at that ADP like uh, I'll hit that every time um, number four overall is Corey Davis because it always is for me let's face it he's going in round 10 as wide receiver 54 so we're talking deep wide receivers here uh, but I definitely think he's a top 24 wide receiver 
going into 2021. In fact, him and Marcus Brown have been flirting with that top 24 line for successive years now. Um, and I, in my breakout third-year breakout article that I wrote for DLF, I named both of them as potential breakouts. Now, obviously, you're not getting league-winning difference there, but I definitely think you can get 1,000 yards, eight touchdowns, like what you're getting from wide receivers drafted much earlier and with much more hype, so they're harder to get a hold of. I have, I have a lot of hope that uh, Corey Davis is at least going to be a value pick in 2021, going in the 10th round right now as wide receiver 54. Uh, in the same round, Antonio Brown... Like, I wrote up for patrons, I think Chris Godwin is an interesting proposition in Dynasty, and I think both of them are kind of squeezing out Mike Evans in an interesting fashion. But you don't really have to have a negative opinion of Chris Godwin or Mike Evans, who are both going... I forget, but like Chris Godwin's a third round pick and Mike Evans is probably right there wrong with him. Antonio Brown, on the other hand, he ranked first in Tarbot's targets per game, target share, anything that you care to mention about volume after he joined that team, Antonio Brown ranked one in. Now, that's not looking at a split. If you look at the overall season proper, he ranks first in the team in points per game, targets per game, yards per team attempt, all of it. I mean, Tom Brady really liked using Antonio Brown, and Antonio Brown has not shown any signs of not uh, being Antonio Brown whenever he's on a football field. Now, that's been fairly inconsistent because of the off-field drama that is Antonio Brown's later half of his career, but there's no reason to suspect that Antonio Brown isn't as good on a football field as he can be because we've never not seen him be that. And and last year, playing with Tom Brady, he earned the targets over Mike Evans and yet even over Chris Godwin, although only by a very small margin. And so going in the 10th round as wide receiver 55, even in Dynasty, like that's that that's decent value for me, and um, in my opinion, and so Antonio Brown looks like a really interesting uh, value proposition. Um, in the same round as Corey Davis, both going back to back in positional ranks, but they are separated out um, according to DLF ADP by a few different running backs. Uh, second overall is T Higgins. He's going in the fourth round. You see him escalating the value here, and um, T Higgins is going in the same round as Brandon Ayuk, and I'm not gonna make an anti-Brandon Ayuk argument I get it he had a fantastic rookie season he's huge he's thick Kyle Shanahan it's just I I, I think it's a little overhyped I think his potential to do well in 2021 is equal to T Higgins but Brandon Ayuk gets most of the noise at least in my little bubble and he's currently ranked as wide receiver 19 going in the fourth round I'm really excited about Higgins and while Jamar Chase is great and Tyler Boyd is known value personified and I really think this year with Chase being in his rookie season and I mean it's just preseason noise but he has not looked good in preseason and in training I don't make anything of that in terms of his long-term outlook but with all that noise and with the potential that he could have a good rookie season that underwhelms because people are legitimately draft him in the second round of that quote-unquote sharp ADP I mentioned right now in Dynasty like I think there's going to be a lot of hurt feelings and disappointment around Chase now I again I don't have those feelings for Chase I think he's going to get 600 yards 15 to 70 percent target share I think he's going to look good that's why I have him ranked as a wide receiver one but in the meantime that's T Higgins 
And I don't think T. Higgins goes away even if and when Jamar Chase can elevate. And there are multiple possibilities that Jamar Chase can't elevate. And those hurt feelings are actually justified. And we're looking at him like Jalen Reagan next year. I don't think so. But it's within the range of outcomes. And even if that doesn't happen, T. Higgins should still be good. Now, there is a history of injury with T. Higgins that we have to be slightly concerned of. But we're shooting for upside, and I think T. Higgins has the same legitimate upside as Brandon Ayukis here, going in the same round, and almost none of the hype. So I think he might be one of the players that falls in some drafts that aren't literally drafting with Zach Reed and, and John Bosch. And I know those aren't the big names at ESPN or nothing, but they're very sharp players in my mind, and the ones I end up um, butting heads with in my league. And if they're not in your league, T. Higgins might fall while Brandon Ayuk will maintain that fourth round ADP. And I'd be very interested in T. Higgins this year if I get any kind of fall on him. Number one, um, Terry McLaurin. I think he's the most likely top 12 breakout candidate at the wide receiver position in that he'll have his first top 12 wide receiver season this year. He's 25. He's a little older. He's a little lower drafted. Um, he's got Ryan Fitzpatrick in his corner, and Dimey Brown is an interesting rookie that I have uh, significant interest in uh, going into this season and next season as Dynasty is all one. But um, the shine seems to have worn off Terry McLaurin a little bit. He's going in the third round as wide receiver 11, so his ADP is valuing him as that potential top 12 breakout. So normally I wouldn't think to highlight him, but when looking at past trades through DLS Trade Finder app, and no, the the trays just mm, they just taste a little different. They have somewhat of a different flavor to T. Higgins and Jamar Chase trades, and he they're being drafted on either side of him. Like it's not multiple first round picks or your favorite rookie running back or sophomore running back. It's more like a package deal with some good players in, and I'll give you Terry McLaurin and you and a few other things. Like, there's a definite different tone. And I think it's because Washington, Fitzpatrick, Dimey Brown, and Terry McLaurin is a third-year breakout candidate who's already 25. And that that just doesn't feel good. It's not normally what we're used to highlighting in Dynasty, but it in no way takes away his potential to have his highest production year ever and have this same value, if not better value, next year. And so if there is... Um, not a slip in ADP. I think he's going to be taken around here in most drafts. Second round, third round, uh, definitely, um, no matter what league you're in. But I think he might be cheaper in trades than other players that are drafted in that range. Not cheaper, but easier to trade for. Like, you can put together a reasonable package and get more upside in Terry McClellan. And I'm willing to package good things up to put all that value in one player if I'm looking for an edge at wide receiver. Like, I think that's interesting. And so Terry McClellan has a, just a slightly different flavor of a third-round rookie pick right now. Uh, third-round startup pick, sorry. And I think his value might be a little softer than other players ranked in that range. Like, I think Terry McClellan might be as easy to trade for as Chris Godwin, but he's being drafted around Jamar Chase and CeeDee Lamb. Um, and I think that about says it, in Dynasty at least. Anyway, those are my favorite off-the-beaten-path targets in uh, at the wide receiver position for 2021. Again, I get it. I don't have the thick guys. It's not Brandon Ayuk, and it's not Chase Claypool. If you don't know 
that they're interesting values this year. And it's not Julio, uh, Julio or Juju Smith-Schuster who I've been pumping this offseason a lot. That's mostly because the Pittsburgh wide receivers have all coalesced into the same draft round at this point. Like, the value has disappeared on Juju. Um, and there is a legitimate three-way coin flip. I think all three make good cases to have the main production in 2021 at the wide receiver position on that team. And so there's, it's just less exciting, even as an off-the-beaten-path target. Um, but and, and so I default to T. Higgins, um, who's going slightly higher, but I think has an actual higher range of outcomes because he's not in such a coalition just yet with Jamar Chase being a rookie and Tyler Boyd being on the back nine of his very productive and probably will continue to be very productive career. Um, and so T. Higgins just more interesting value, more interesting production and value proposition to my mind um, in Dynasty or for redraft going into 2021. Uh, let me know what you think. Leave a review somewhere. I, I should really go check out the reviews. Contact me on Twitter at PA Howdy. Hit me up on that YouTube channel if you could. And I do need to hear from you, by the way. Like, I keep messing up the content, like, mixing it up, trying to find things that you might find interesting. Where the, like, like are you only playing in leagues with J. Mike Chake, Gabe Gearing? Like, you don't don't need to hear about Terry McClellan being a good candidate, if so. But I, I thought I'd try and strike a middle ground this episode, see if it helps. Where the season is getting much more immediate, uh, I, I thought... Those lists might be slightly more interesting. Um, but let me know. I uh, really appreciate you checking it out. I'll talk to you again next week. And uh, yeah, thanks very much. Bye. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold. So Jake on the table and Nate on the play. So Pete and Numa, it's a placer analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got their lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that eye, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though. Pete and Numa, it's a place they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though. Pete and Numa, it's a place they're analytical.